I'm Kat Harris. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm an educator, brand strategist, and content creator. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface and to hold space for meaningful dialogue. It's a place where done is better than perfect, where quality triumphs quantity, and where the journey is the destination. So I invite you to leave your Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is messy and beautifully imperfect. We all have a story to tell, and I want to hear yours. Hey friends, we want to invite you to be a part of the Refined Collective Podcast Tribe. Patreon is an incredible platform that allows artists and creatives to raise funds that empower them to do their craft with excellence by giving you, our audience, the opportunity to sign up for monthly pledges. You can sign up for as little as $5 a month. Our Patreon tribe has first access to our latest episodes, as well as information and insight concerning all things Refined Collective podcast related. Please check out our page and join us in empowering us to continue to create meaningful episodes, interviews, and content for y'all. You can find our page at www.patreon.com forward slash The Refined Collective. Well, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm sitting here in Brooklyn today with my windows open. It's raining, and it's just been a nice, quiet afternoon working from home. And as I have been prepping for this episode with an amazing woman, Jessica Honiger, I came across this quote that seemed so perfect for what we are going to be talking about today. It's by a poet named Atticus, and he says, she was powerful, not because she wasn't scared, but because she went on so strongly despite the fear. Now pause and let that sink in, friends. Today, we are going to be talking about fear, F-E-A-R. We're talking about fear, breakthrough, and that is something that Jessica Honiger knows very, very well. So who she is before we start chatting Jessica is the author of the new book, Imperfect Courage, which you guys have to order and get the workbook to go along with it. She is the host of the Going Scared podcast, and she is the founder of the world's largest and fastest growing fair trade jewelry brand, Noonday Collection. So Jessica, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm really excited to chat with you. I think we have so much in common and so many similar passions. So it's going to be a great convo. Yes, I am so excited. And just first before we get started, um, you have a lot going on on your plate. Um, So just want to acknowledge that and thank you for your time. Um, But I saw your most recent Instagram post was I was just like, yes, yes, yes. You Mm -hmm. said... Stop saying it's hard. Start saying it requires effort. And I thought that would just be like the perfect thing for you just to kind of start the conversation of why is that important to you? What does that mean in your life today, right now? 
Yes. Well, thanks for having me. I am delighted to spend time with you. And, you know, I think that I started Noonday Collection eight years ago, and it started off as a side gig, a fundraiser to help bring my son home. We were adopting. We have three children, and we, at the time, had two and wanted to bring a third into our family, and we decided to grow our family through adoption. And I started this business because we were in a real financial crisis in our lives. And international adoption requires a lot of cash. So I started selling jewelry handmade by some artisans that I'd been connected with in Uganda. And I opened my home and all these women came. And I realized that night, this might not just be a fundraiser. This might actually become a business. And I'm a leap first, look later kind of gal. So I just started asking other women to open their homes. And I started finding jewelry made by other artisans from other countries. And before you knew it, I was running a business. And it's been eight years now. And I think there's a part of me that is still ready to wake up one day and feel like, oh, this doesn't require that much work anymore. <laughs> like, like a point of arrival. Like, like I feel like, and I do this a lot in various areas of my life where I feel like I'm waiting for this point of arrival where things are going to feel effortless, I guess. And first of all, I'm sure that I could live a life that looks like that, right? I, I could decide I am just going to do the things that I know how to do, like driving, you know, like second nature to me. I don't know. Maybe you in Brooklyn, you might be a little rustier than I am. I live in Austin. We drive around here. So I could decide, you know, I'm just going to drive. I'm just going to Netflix. I know how to work Netflix. That's <laughs> a real easy situation as well. I know how to scroll Instagram. Like that doesn't require a lot of effort. But I have chosen to live a life of impact and of purpose. And that requires effort. And so instead of this narrative of, I had just gotten back, oh, I just got back recently from Alaska and I had this incredible vacation with our family. I saw bears, I fished for salmon. I went on a helicopter ride and hiked an ice glacier. Like it was amazing. It sounds like you were on a date on The Bachelorette. <laughs> it basically was, except with three kids. Um, it was, it really was. And I think sometimes I want to live a vacation life, you know, but I don't, I don't want to live a vacation life. So I was having this rude awakening of like, okay, life is not the Alaskan vacation. There is still work to come home to. There's the office, there's the crisis, there's the problems to solve. And I was kind of complaining, like, it's so hard. It's just so hard. And that's when I had someone in my life challenge me and say, you know, hard is a decision. Like hard is a perspective. Hard is what you make of it. Mm. What you've decided to do, it requires effort. It requires work. And the sooner you can embrace that, then the less, I feel like this phrase, like it's so hard. I'm, what am I really saying? I think what I'm saying is I want out. Like I want to go back to Alaska. And then that gets me out of the present moment and puts me somewhere either in the past or in the future. Because then I start thinking, okay, well, maybe I could move to Alaska someday. <laughs> you know, like that's where we start going when we're sort of in pain. And it was such a good reframe then for me to go, you know what? It's not that this is hard. This requires effort. Mm -hmm. It's like when I work out, I've been... 
I, I'm new to spin. So I've been spinning for like five months now. I'm totally an addict. I completely get it now. Do you spin at all? I spin. I cried at my first soul cycle class. Yes. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I love Totally. It. Yeah. Totally. So I'm a spin addict now. And I keep thinking that, you know, when you stop and you lift the weights, that the restart is not going to feel hard anymore. Because for some reason for me, it's like, your heart rate kind of calms down a little bit. You've worked your muscles and then you got to get back on the bike and like do your thing. Mm -hmm. But you know what? It still requires effort. Like no matter what spin class requires effort and that's life, that's business. That's whatever you put in front of you to do the thing that you're going to do. It's always going to require effort if you've decided to take the path of growth and purpose, which I have. So I think it's very empowering for me to go... This business, running this business, launching this book, because I, I admittedly, I came back from Alaska and I'm staring down the book launch. So I'm like, okay, I'm launching a book. And then I'm thinking, why did, why am I doing this? Like, why did I decide to write a book? Like, this is such a pain. <laughs> like, now I have to get out there and I have to go on a book tour and, you know, all of these things. And I have to wait and see if it's going to, if people are going to resonate with the message. And so I was just kind of like whining, quite frankly, about the hardness of the consequences of deciding to do things on purpose <laughs> when it's like, I made the decisions. So yeah, I'm saying it's not hard. It requires effort and I have what it takes. Because I think when I'm in the other mindset, I think what I'm saying is it's so hard. I want to escape and I don't have what it takes for whatever it is. But it's so empowering to go, this requires effort. I've chosen to walk this path and I have what it takes to walk it. Mm -hmm. And man, you start singing that to yourself and it trickles and say it out loud. So I started changing my language, you know, and then that starts shifting your mindset. And then of course that eventually trickles down into your soul where you kind of understand where your limiting beliefs live and you can begin to really start turning, flipping those upside down, which is so fun and leads to freedom when you can flip flip around your limiting beliefs and instead, you know, turn them into empowering beliefs. Absolutely. And I think just even what you're saying as far as flipping the script and when I say it's hard, one of my coaches that I do life with, I'll say something like, oh, this is so hard. Or I don't like, it's always like this. And she says, if you say so, if you say right. so, that's as true right. as you say it is. And when I'm saying it's hard, or this is the way it is, I am saying I'm a victim. I'm a victim to my circumstances. I am a victim to my business. I'm a victim to my relationships. And there are times where things happen to us where we are the victim. And that is true. But oftentimes what I've discovered is I allow myself to come from a place of what you're calling limiting beliefs, fear, insecurity, or a victim mindset of poor me. It's hard as opposed to, I am actually not a victim of my life or circumstances. I can take responsibility and ownership and coming from a place of freedom, I choose this path. Even what you, what you said, I chose a life of impact. When I choose a life of impact and purpose, there is integrity and responsibility that comes with that. I'm not a victim to that. I'm choosing that. So how can, how can I 
shift that conversation on a daily basis. And, and so like, what does that look like for you when you're in that moment of, oh my gosh, I'm like feeling bad for myself again. Do you reach out to a friend? Is it like second nature for you to identify the voice? How are you identifying those inner dialogues or like I call them like my sassy stepsister in my head? How do you identify those inner dialogues? So in my book, I call them, it depends on where where you come from. It's either the itty bitty baloney sauce committee or the itty bitty bullshit committee. My dad was a Vietnam War vet, so bullshit wasn't even a cuss word in our house. (laughs) Um, But my mom would always correct him and be so embarrassed. And she would look at me and she would say, honey, that means baloney sauce, BS. Just say BS, that means baloney (laughs) sauce. So I'm like, okay, mom. So I have my bologna sauce committee that meets in my head. And there's several of them, right? It's not just, it's like all the different voices that sit at your table. And I think there is an inner narrative that I've come to identify for sure. But I think that it's not just about identifying that inner narrative. I think there is speaking it out loud to someone so that they can also walk with you towards the path of freedom. So I think that that's actually crucial in the healing process. I think a lot of us want to heal by ourselves. Like, oh, we're going to take this self-help book or whatever, and we're going to read it in our rooms and identify our limiting beliefs. I think that's the first part in the process. But I, I do believe that healing happens when eyes meet and when souls meet and when you have the, the beautiful words of Me Too spoken with you. So definitely identifying that that's where I am at and then being able to talk to someone and I do out myself regularly. And, you know, if I'm struggling with comparison recently, I was, and it was kind of in an area of um, CEO influence type, um, comparing myself with someone else who is doing a lot of the things I'm doing, which is usually how (laughs) we compare ourselves. And so I did immediately realize this is basically jealousy right? Jealousy is wanting what you don't have or wanting what someone else has. And that's not living my best life. And I immediately reached out to a friend and said, Hey, this is what I'm thinking about right now. And this is not where I want to be. And so she texted me back. We ended up meeting for dinner the next night. And honestly, I kind of can't even believe that's where I was because it was just like a week ago. And I'm like, Oh, I can't believe I was even thinking about that, (laughs) like spending energy on that, you know? Um, And that's the power of it. Like the power of identifying our limiting beliefs, identifying the girls that are sitting at the table that, you know, shouldn't be there that are not allowed at the dinner table. And then going and, you know, asking a friend, can you help me ask this girl to leave? You know, it's kind of like middle school, right? It's like, there's power in, you know, when someone else is like, Hey, I know that what they're doing is wrong. Like, let's get up and and go. Mm -hmm. And I think there's power doing that to your inner, uh, inner mean girls. Yes. Um, sometimes you got to have a friend to tell them to leave right along with you. That's right. And I think, I I resonate so much with bringing the dark to light because something about that makes it lose lose its power. But I'm just curious, like, I know that words matter. I, I write and speak for a living as do you, but why do you think speaking it out loud? Why do you think bringing someone else into the story or bringing others into that space of struggle? Why, why does that matter so much? 
I do think we are literally hardwired for it. So even when I look at the origin story of my faith, I am a Christian. And in in my origin story, there's a creator God. He creates this garden and he says, it's beautiful. It's awesome. And he's like, it's good, but it's not very good. And then he creates man and woman and his image. And there's like this sense of community. There's this sense of connection now. And then God says, you know what? This is very good. This is very good. Mm -hmm. And then he says, let's do it together. Like, Hey, Adam, Eve, will you name the stuff I just made? Will you cultivate this now and make it more than it is? And when I actually made it, I think that we are hired hardwired in us to do things together and that it's just part of our makeup. Mm. And so um, I think too, that shame is so devious and is such a liar. And in that same story, um, Adam and Eve decided, you know what, we are going to focus on what we don't have instead of what we've been given. And we're not going to believe that God actually wants to do it with us and that God loves us and is with us. Um, we're going to go do our own thing And they immediately go and hide because shame entered the world. Shame entered the world. And then they're suddenly like, oh my gosh, I'm naked. I didn't even know I was naked. I thought I was great. And now something's wrong with me. And they go and run from the very God in the story who created them. But God didn't just leave them in their shame. God comes hunting for them and says, where are you? Hey, where are you? Like, we're in this together. Where'd you go? And I think that for shame to lose its voice in our life, again, it has to be spoken out loud because it loves darkness. Shame loves darkness. Shame loves to be in hiding. Shame is the one that like runs you to the forest to be alone. Mm. And then someone's looking for you. You know, there's definitely a God of the universe looking for you. There's people who want to walk with you and they're saying, hey, where are you? Where'd you go? Like, come on on out. Let's do this together. And I think that's the only place that shame can ultimately die is when it comes out into the light. Mm. I'm a strong, I mean, that's the whole second part of my book, which I think is what makes it a little bit of a unique message because it isn't just about this inner, like this inner reckoning and understanding our inner voices, but it's knowing then like, we're like, we're going to have to show up with vulnerability with someone who can receive our story with empathy in order for that thing to actually lose power in our lives. I mean, as you're describing that, I just get this picture in my head of a dark cave and it's dark and cold and damp and like bacteria festers in that place because it has nowhere to get out. But when we bring light and air into the dark cracks and crevices, First of all, then you're like, oh, this isn't as scary as I thought it was. Like, it's it's just a room. It's just a cave. But then the bacteria can't fester when it's dry and and when it's in the light. Right. And I see like shame as this like festering thing in this dark cave that has a really big shadow. But then when you shine a light on it, you're like, oh, you're just like a tiny little cricket. Like, we can take care of you. Let's deal with this. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I think whenever you feel like you're in a cave or you're in the dark or you're in the forest hiding, the anecdote to that is to reach out. And sometimes that's the scariest 
feeling to do like that because you think like you're, you're embarrassed. Like shame's like, don't let someone else know that, I, that you're in shame right now. Like you're in shame. Like you should be in shame, you know? I mean, so I had that voice when I was struggling with comparison. It was like, um, you are a grown ass CEO. Like, <laughs> like you're going to tell someone right now that you are jealous and you're comparing yourself to someone like that's embarrassing. But of course, the moment I actually did it and the other person's like me too, and let's talk, it's just, it's already lost its power, you know? That's so true. And just kind of along those lines with comparison, and I kind of want to talk about fear. What is your relationship like with fear? And and what has it been like? Yeah. You know, I think that you teach what you need to learn. And I obviously have have a relationship with fear if I'm writing about it, coming out of fear, right? And I think that there is a place in my life where I spend energy managing fear. And I think for me, I know that there are times when fear has been in the driver's seat of my life. In particular, when I was starting Noonday Collection, And after doing the side hustle thing and realizing, okay, it's going to be a business, I knew I needed partnership in that. And I either was going to raise money or borrow money. um, And I just began asking friends their opinions, their help. And one of the guys I met with had a business background and I just wanted him to look over my numbers. And he, after a month of meeting with me, asked actually if we could be full-time business partners together. And he had three children at the time. His wife wasn't working because they had a child with Down syndrome and she really needed to be um, extra hands for him. And literally he's like, I'm ready to live off my savings account for us to see if this is going to actually turn into a viable company. And that's when the rubber hit the road for me because it was one thing for me to risk and for me to hustle and for me to pawn my gold jewelry, defend our first website It's another thing for someone to literally live off their savings account because they're betting that this is um, not just a flash in the pan. This is a business with legs. And that's when I really came face to face with a lot of fear. It was the fear of success, first of all, because I'm like, okay, I'm going to now put everything I have into this basket. And what if it becomes wildly successful? And looking back now, realizing why I was afraid of success I think I was afraid of the very conversation that I had last week that said, this is hard, you know, because success does lead to responsibility and accountability. And I think there was a certain place of me feeling like, okay, that's gonna, I'm going to have to carry a big load. Um, and just being accountable to other people, I think in leadership, I mean, we now have 60 employees and we have 4,500 artisans around the world that we partner with. And we have 2,000 social entrepreneurs throughout America that we work with. So um, I was afraid. I was afraid of what success would feel like. Mm-hmm. I was afraid of failure. You know, it's interesting that you can be both simultaneously afraid of failure and afraid of success. But I think when fear's in the driver's seat, it's like, it's just going to throw every fear at you. Oh, yeah. So I was, I was definitely afraid of failure and I was afraid um, primarily of just letting down Travis and his entire family. Like they're going to live off their savings account for me and I'm going to be responsible for their homelessness. Like that was the narrative in my head. Mm-hmm. And I was afraid of simply making mistakes. I think I was just afraid of like, you know, I don't have the right, ad- I don't have everything it takes to do this was the narrative. I don't have the right 
resume. I don't have the right adequacies. So what if I like make a lot of mistakes along the way and then mess up other people's lives? So there was a lot of fear. And I think what I learned is, and so I literally almost thought, well, I better wait till I'm not afraid. Like, that's a good idea. I just like, obviously, if I'm afraid of all these things and I'm just not ready. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, no, the life of fearlessness is a sham. Mm-hmm. Actually, a life of purpose and impact is lived when we can feel the fear and move through the fear. And the only way to move through fear is through it. Like you, you can't move around it. You can't scoot it out of the way. You simply have to walk through it. And fear is no longer in the driver's seat of my life. I mean, I would say it's in the backseat, but even like the backseat of like a really long limo, you know, (laughs) like a bachelorette sized limousine (laughs) at the very back, you know, and I'm in the driver's seat. I'm in the driver's seat of that limo. And now it can fit a whole lot of people because you know what? When you quit letting fear drive your life, it opens up space for people to come in and say, I want to ride with you because people are attracted to courage. People are attracted to purpose. And, you know, you quit spending a life thinking about yourself and how to protect yourself and how to, you know, live a comfortable life of not feeling hard things. And instead you just walk through your fear and then suddenly there's a lot of room for other people and for connection with others. Yes. I think fear has an agenda and fear's agenda is to keep us small, keep us hidden and keep us away from relationship with others. And you know what? We all experience it. Oh my gosh, guys, if I could recount to you how many times fear has kept me small and kept me from doing the thing I knew that I knew that I knew that I was created to do, whether that was sports in high school or even now as I journey into possibly writing a book, fear is screaming at me, stay small, stay small, stay small. But here's the thing, as long as I keep it quiet and hidden, it has power and control over me. There is power in bringing the dark to light. And today on this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast, I am talking with Jessica Honiger about just this, fear. Moving through it, acknowledging it, and then moving through your life anyways, regardless of the fear conversation. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. And before we get started, I have a favor to ask of you. If you love this podcast, it is such a labor of love from myself and my team. I would be so honored if you would go on iTunes, search The Refined Collective, click on our podcast, subscribe, rate, and review us. It would mean the world to me. Now on to my conversation with Jessica. What I notice about fear of what you're saying is like fear ends on self. Like it's, it's causing me to implode on me and think of what if like afraid of, I'm afraid of success, like you're saying, or failure or, but still what you're saying is me, 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 I, I, I. Like I'm afraid. Totally. Totally. And the distinction I see with love, like the love versus fear is love is not static. Love is always creating. Love is outward focused. And when I am stuck in my own fear, it's such a 
it's such a pointer to me that, oh, like all I'm just thinking about myself and how can I shift to being outward focused? And even just what you said about now with fear outside of the driver's seat, you have space in your life for others. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I feel like along those lines of talking about fear, like when I hear these conversations with other people and even myself at times, I think it's still important to unpack. So what if the worst case scenario happens? Then what? Like, What if your fear happens that was like the most awful thing that you could have ever imagined? Like what then? Right, right. Yeah, I think, um, and I think that's a really good exercise to do because I think you get to the what if and the what if and the what if. And the reason we're afraid, anxiety is the fear of a certain outcome. And then we attach our identity to the outcome. So when we're attaching our identity to failure and we're not able to say like common humanity, guaranteed, I am going to make a lot of mistakes on this road of entrepreneurship. And I am definitely going to hurt people Mm -hmm. because that we all do. Like we all do that. Mm -hmm. And when I do that, I am not a failure. I have been a human Mm -hmm. who has made some mistakes. And there is such a huge difference between those two things. And I think that we all you know, we're all uniquely made and have these different gifts. And I think we're all uniquely have the, you know, the different, the girls sitting at your lunch table are definitely the different, different than the ones sitting at mine. And I think that we need to identify where are we deriving a lot of value and worth from that ultimately is kid, we could burn up and smoke, you know, (laughs) like it's not lasting. And so I think when we can own our worth, it, for me, it does go back to that beginning story that I share that, you know, um, my Angelo says that we um, have all been made by the creator trailing wisps of glory. Mm. And I just feel like when I'm able to know that I am loved perfectly and no mistake I make, no failure I make um, is going to drive away that love. I'm able to be, take a risk. I'm able to be more of a risk taker because I'm not hanging my outcome on, you know, oh my gosh, if, if I launch this book and no one buys it, then I'm a loser. You know, it's like, okay, I launched this book, no one buys it, then gosh, I'll just have to learn from that and write another book, you know, or whatever it might be that you're ha- hanging your identity on. I think it's just really looking to see, am I hanging my identity on that outcome of that? Yeah. And um, then I think you walk backwards then and get clear, well, where did that come from? Where is that voice? And where did you first start hearing that voice? Because the voices come from when we're really little and we get used to them. They're familiar to us. And sometimes they're even comforting is what's so crazy. Yeah. And so I think you have to get familiar with those voices so that you can recognize that's not the voice that I want at my table. Yeah. Actually, you are disinvited. You are disinvited to my party. Let me escort you out the door. Yes, no, and no longer welcome. <laughs> you are no longer welcome. And I think even doing that, like even like being able to like journey through that process is really important. And I think that, um, yeah, fear though is just 
common. Like we all have it. Like there's no unique, you know, person in the world who's never been afraid. I think we just have misdefined it as being, you know, as courage is fearlessness. And I don't really believe in the word fearlessness. I mean, that's certainly, I'm not living for a state of fearlessness because then that means I'm not really taking risks anymore. Mm. So I just do believe that it's a life is lived when you can feel afraid and stand up and do it anyway. That's right. That's right. I think I've had this misconception in my own life of I, I am only capable of influence or leadership or doing the things that I really, really want to do, whether that is writing my own book or starting a podcast or becoming a photographer all those years ago. I felt like I had to have it all together, wear this, what I call the superwoman cape of having it, like being perfect, dotting all my I's, crossing all my T's. And my health kind of came crumbling down a couple years ago. I was burnt out. I was did not feel like I had a creative bone left in my body. And I let this like superwoman cape just exhaust me. And mm-hmm. I, I hear what you're saying about like acknowledging the fear and going for it anyways. And that message seems like a lot of people are getting on board with that, rightfully so. But it also feels confusing in a culture where we're saying the future is female, like independent women. I can do everything on my own. I don't need, I don't need you. I can do it by myself. Like there's this cultural voice that so many women are buying into that is saying like, wear the cape. And Mm -hmm. I bought into that for my early career and I feel like it nearly killed me Mm -hmm. and it's exhausting. And so I just, I wanted to see what you thought of that. Like, do you, do you see that in our culture of women and like, how do we start taking that cape off and say, yeah, future is female, go girls, Beyonce, all the things without saying in the process, I have to be perfect. Yeah. I think that it's embracing the and paradox that you can choose and Mm -hmm. that you can work and hustle hard and rest hard Mm -hmm. and you can be like hustle in your career and you can collaborate with the woman that you meet along the way. Mm-hmm. That there is a world of and and of paradox, and it's not all one and the other. I think perfectionistic thinking is that you know you you just you have an idealized version of yourself in your mind, whatever that is. It's okay when I reach that title at work, when I finally get to quit my job and become an entrepreneur, because that's being so glorified right now. I feel like oh yeah which I'm just like, please, we need good people to be able to work for the people that are CEOs, you know, (laughs) like that's how I feel. And, you know, I think whatever it is, we have this idealized version of ourselves, and it's unicorn thinking. And I think that we want to, we start hustling after that version of ourselves because we think that that version of ourselves, once we get there, we're not going to feel pain anymore. We're not going to feel shame. We're not going to be afraid. Um, we're not going to be afraid that we're disappointing others. We're um, we're going to be fully loved and accepted. We'll never get rejected. Like all of those things, once we're there, once we reach that unicorn version of ourselves, we're going to 
be pain-free. And that is the lie. Mm. So it keeps you living in this eventual place and you put on the super woman cape. I mean, I say, yes, we can wear a superwoman cape, but as long as it's the cape that's like custom made for you, it's not your hustle cape that you're just hustling after your worth. You're hustling after this idealized version of yourself that ultimately is not going to give you what you are pretending it's going to give you in your mind. And, you know, I think so much of that too is just learning how to be present because when we can learn how to be present and not just try to get to the next thing, I mean, that's where the joy is. And again, like the story that I shared that we're created to be in partnership, we're created to be in partnership with God, our creator, the one who authored us. And so I think when we're you know, walking with our higher power too. There's a lot of partnership in that. And when you're hustling to win over love, either from God or from other people or from your boss, that is draining. I mean, that's, you know, you know, you can, your fuel tank can run on fear and it works for a little bit, you know, like fear and shame actually can produce results for a little bit. And then you have the breakdown, you have the crisis Mm -hmm. and you realize this is actually not, going to work. And then you have to switch that fuel tank to love and love is so much more gentle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it's hard. It's hard almost to be motivated by, I say it's hard. It requires more effort. It requires, it requires more effort to tank yourself with love. I think because we're afraid that like, we're not going to accomplish as much or get as far, but actually the, we couldn't, it couldn't be more opposite from the truth because I think that we all want to be in this for the long haul and fear and shame will burn you out. I mean, they just will, but love won't love never will. Love is a multiplier, you know? Yes, that's so true. And being present, I think even what you just said, what came to mind for me is I prided myself for so long for being a survivor I was a hustler in college. I got a full ride athletic scholarship to school. I worked all my way through college and then hit the ground running after college. And I remember a couple years after graduating college, I sent in my rent check and I was like, internally, yes, like I survived another month. And it was one of those moments where I felt like God stopped me and was like, what would your life look like if you weren't just surviving? Because mm. I had this picture and I was proud of it that I can tread water. I've been thrown mm-hmm. overboard and I'm a survivor and I can tread water and I can create good results even. Mm-hmm. And I can experience mm-hmm. a level of success even when I am treading water. And I feel like in that moment, God was like, but what if you were on solid ground? Like, What would that mm. feel like? And it was like, I hadn't even ever thought about what it could possibly feel like to thrive because I was so comfortable surviving. And so even when you're saying like having love in the gas tank is easy or it's easier and it's, it's abundant and it's outpouring, but we're so used to surviving. We're so used to being tired and like, oh, that's just normal. That's just the way it is that it's life is just hard. Yeah. Right. It's like hard. it's just hard. I'm a survivor. And I'm like, man, we're all walking around with like broken legs limping around. And we're like, oh yeah, but like, that's just the way it is. And I'm like, but wait, what if we could like not have broken legs or what if we could not tread water anymore? Like then what would that look like? 
Right. Totally. I mean, I think we kind of get used to limping through life. It's like, you know, we settle for the water hole and there's like an entire river and lake out there to go swim in. And, you know, I think you start disappointment, start ruling your heart instead of living out from the desire of your heart and fear starts ruling your heart instead of love. And I think just the first step is just getting really curious and even understanding that those voices are there, even understanding like what is in the driver's seat right now. And, um, because we're sometimes like, it sounds like actually your mindset was getting a lot done for you, mm-hmm. you know, but it's a matter of, but it was, was that going to last? And obviously not because it completely burned you out. That's right. That's right. So when we're talking about, when you're saying being present, what I'm curious about for you, Jessica Honegger, is what does what does that look like? How does that manifest in your day-to-day life, like practically speaking? Yeah, so I would say my regular practices, exercise, I have a hard time just being in my body. I'm a thinker. I live in my head and it takes uh, physical effort for me, like exerting myself physically for me to kind of get into my body. So I really enjoy a good sweat. Yes. And then I spend, although I didn't do it today, now that I'm telling you, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I had a crazy morning. (laughs) It was a really crazy morning. But for the most part, I spend 15 minutes of complete silence and I set my phone to the little chimes is what dings off after 15 minutes and have different mantras that I say, depending on the season I'm in, but I get really quiet And I really try eventually, I try for that exercise to get me in my body and get me present. But sometimes it's like exercise first helps me, but just getting really quiet alone with God and just realizing like that, what matters, you know, what matters today and that I've been given everything I need for what I've been asked to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so that I'm not approaching my day coming from a lack, a scarcity, like, oh my gosh, I've got back to backs all day. I'm not going to have enough time. And then I'm going to get behind on email and then, you know, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. But instead of say, you know what? I've got everything I need. I've been getting everything I need for my day today. And then I just try to practice in the evenings getting off my phone and just being very disciplined about, you know, eating dinner. I have a family. So I've got three kids and a husband. And we are very intentional in our conversations with one another, looking each other in the eyes and connecting after our day. I mean, it sounds crazy, but you know, for those of y'all that either are married or have a boyfriend, like, I don't know, I feel like once you've been with a partner long enough, like you can even get to the end of the day and like, you haven't even really connected and touched that day, you know? So I think there's an element to like being very intentional because I am so task oriented and can be in my head of like actually stopping and hugging my husband when I get home from work (laughs) being like, hello, how was your day today? And like having that transition. Mm-hmm. Um, those are just, those are a few of my practices. I would love eventually to like have practices throughout my day that always bring me back to the present. Mm-hmm. And then I try to take uh, a day off a week where I literally delete Instagram and Facebook from my phone and don't check my emails and try not I'm lately I used to still read all of my nonfiction stuff that I love but lately I was challenged after I did an interview for my podcast with this guy who wrote this book about the 24/6 lifestyle and he actually did all this research about the business case behind taking a full sabbath off once a week and 
it was so convicting talking with him that, and he's like, and on that day, like, don't listen to self-help podcasts. Like don't read your nonfiction. Just like read a fun fiction book, you know, go see a fun movie. So I do do that practice as well once a week. And then a couple of times a year, I pull away with my husband and we go do something fun together. I love that. So yeah, I think it's important to find the daily, the weekly, Mm -hmm. the quarterly, the yearly rhythms that help you to get off the the hustle bus. Yeah. And what you're saying is actually so practical, Jessica, because I think we think of self-care and being present. It sounds like what? It's like ethereal. And do I need to be going to massages and yoga retreats? I mean, can do that. But what you're saying is so simple. And it's really just going back to the basics. It is. It's what we all know to do. Honestly, I feel like we all know to do these things. It's just the practice of them requires effort. Right. And that is the challenge that lays before us, you know, because we, we get to choose. We're people. We have choices that we can make. And, you know, what kind of choices are we going to make today? And I think too, that when you're driven by fear, it's really this feeling of there's not enough, like I'm not enough and there's not enough. And that mentality will keep you constantly plugged in because then you're afraid to turn off because you think the world's going to pass you by or you're going to miss out on that thing, whether it's an experience or that promotion or whatever it is that motivates you the fear of missing out is, is real, you know? And so I think that when we we can come from where this mindset of like, I have everything I need and I've been given everything I need for what I'm called to do for today and let that be enough, Mm -hmm. then you're able to close your computer, you know, before 11 o'clock at night. And you're able to just live in that place of like, it's, it's all going to get done. Mm -hmm. It's all going to be okay. And you know, you don't have to be frantic. Yeah, Some of us are addicted to the frantic. Oh, yeah. We're afraid. We're afraid if we stop being frantic, we're going to just actually have to stop and feel our feelings, right. you know? Right. Well, and the, even if I don't get everything done, even if it doesn't get done, it's going to be okay. <laughs> like That's right. even if I fail, even if I fall, and even if the to-do list never gets finished, because there's always going to be something to do it's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. You're going to be okay. The world still goes on despite it all. The world still goes on. It's true. Well, Jessica, thank you so much. I feel like we're just barely tapping on the iceberg of your wisdom that you have to offer. I cannot wait to read your book and for it to be out in the world. Um, So just before we hop off, where can people follow your journey? How can they get their book and your workbook in their hands? I want, yeah, tell us all the things. Yes. So we would love for you to order the book in perfect courage. And if you order it now, it will get to your doorstep August 14th. And as a thanks for being an early adopter, we will send you a free digital workbook that is all about 30 days of going scared where I want to take you by the hand. In addition to that, I also would love for you to join my Facebook group that is all about going scared. So we can actually walk through that that going scared journey together for those 30 days in September. We're doing a going scared September. And then you'll also be entered to win a bunch of fair trade jewelry handmade by all of the women and men that I get to partner with in running my brand. 
noonday collection. So if you want to get all the perks, you can go to jessicahoniger.com and click on book and that'll tell you how you can get a hold of all those perks. Or if you're just like, I love this conversation, trust me, all of it is in my book and you can just go to Amazon, Target, anywhere books are sold. It's up, it's live. Go put it in your cart now. And I would love, I just imagine women all over the country with their coffee or their wine or sitting by the lake, whatever, just um, letting their hearts be changed by this message that we um, don't have to live a life of fear. Yes. Amen. It's a message that needs to be out there. And you are the woman for the job right now in that. And I know thousands and thousands of women are going to be so impacted and freed by the words you're sharing. So I just want to thank you for what you're doing, Jessica. It inspires and encourages me. Thank you. I loved our combo today. Yeah, me too. I hope we get to hang out in real life someday soon. We will. We will. All right. Chat soon. Bye-bye. I'm Kat Harris, and you've been listening to the Refined Collective Podcast. You can follow our journey on Instagram at The Refined Woman, our website, therefinedwoman.com for show notes, other features and interviews, and a deeper look into our tribe. Find us on iTunes, The Refined Collective. Subscribe, rate, review, and leave us some love. Join me next time. And thank you so much for listening. And one last thing, in case you ever forget, you are not alone. Your story matters and you belong here.